Welcome to the Bright Spots Podcast. I'm Program Specialist Jeremiah Witten. If you haven't heard yet, the Eldorado Charter Selpa will be holding its annual Inspiration to Action Symposium on Friday, January 27th, 2023 at the Sheraton Grand Hotel in Sacramento, California. The symposium theme is a time to thrive, so for episode 7, Moises and I interview symposium keynote speaker Diana Pastora Carson. In this exclusive preview of More to Comment Than Symposium, Diana shares a fresh take on inclusion and how educators and community members can move past awareness and into action. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Diana. Can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners and what you do? I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on with you today. So my name is Diana Pastora Carson or Diana Pastora Carson, if you speak Spanish. I am a sibling advocate and huge fan of my brother, Joaquin Carson, who spent 15 years of his life in an institution and for whom our family fought and with whom our family fought for three years to bring him home. I've been an elementary educator for over 30 years teaching both special education and general education from pre-K to sixth grade. I currently am a lecturer. I co-teach a course at San Diego State University called Disability and Society. I uh, am a public speaker. I love talking about inclusion and um, what that means in my life, my family's life, and in my life as uh, as an educator. I also am an inclusion visionary. I am a community activist. I've done a TED Talk. I've served two terms on the Board of Disability Rights California, and I'm currently serving on the Board of Disability Voices United. Uh, I have had the honor and privilege of collaborating with Ability Magazine to produce a series of interviews with thought leaders of the disability community in honor of the ADA's 30th anniversary. I've authored the book Beyond Awareness, Bringing Disability into Diversity Work in K-12 Schools and Communities. And I've also authored a children's book called Ed Roberts, Champion of Disability Rights. I am a podcaster. I, I have my own podcast called Beyond Awareness, Disability Awareness That Matters. Um, so that's who I am. I Maybe I said too much. Diana, that's quite the resume. So we definitely heard a little bit about just how you began working with individuals with disabilities, but maybe share a story with us. What's your earliest memory of being an advocate? Oh, gosh. Well, that is easy because that's one of the things that I share about the most. And that is the day that my brother started school. He was allowed, quote unquote, allowed to go to a public school. Um, Whereas before he didn't have that right. This was in 1975 when public law 94-142, which we all know as IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, was passed and Joaquin got to go to school. And I was so excited that I would get to play with him on the playground and he would get to meet my friends and my friends would get to meet him. And when the bell rang, I rushed to his classroom so that I could take him out to play. And I was stopped by a big metal fence. And on the other side of that fence was Joaquin with a teacher who was holding his hand and he visibly wanted to be with me. was excited to see me. 
And I said, hi, I'm here to take Joaquin out to play at recess. And the teacher said, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Um, and I said, well, then can we come in and play with him here? And the teacher said, you can't do that either. He belongs here and you belong on your playground. And so that was the first indication to me as a child that even though my brother had a right now to go to school, it didn't ensure that he had the right to be loved and honored and appreciated for who he was and that he was still going to be separate. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't join any board of directors back then when I was in elementary school, but I certainly had that seed planted in my heart that this is not right. This should not be happening. Wow. That is, that's a, that's a powerful start, right? Could you potentially share kind of some more about the story as far as how you started to get into uh, advocacy as an adult uh, and a professional? Absolutely. So when I grew up, I became a teacher and I first got my special education teacher. And, you know, when you're in your, your just out of your teens and in your 20s, you kind of don't know exactly what it is that you want to do. But I knew that I would probably do well doing that. So I got a job. Um, I got my credential. I got my master's in special education. So at the same time, I started teaching a disability studies course through the community college. And in that, I mean, I had, I may have had a master's degree in special education and I knew a lot about disabilities, but I did not know a lot about the experience and the history of disability. And so I started reading because if I'm going to teach this college course, I wanted to understand it. The more I started reading and reading the perspectives, the stories of people who are disabled, people with disabilities, I started realizing, oh my gosh, everything that I'm doing is actually not making a difference. It's keeping us stuck in an old medical model mindset of disability. And what I needed to do was I needed to transform the way that I did disability awareness, but I also from that realized how much resistance there was to that and confusion there that that created for others who had been doing disability awareness with all their cute fonts and really nice, you know, lesson plans that you can get on teachers pay teachers, but they weren't actually making a difference toward inclusive living, toward life quality toward access, toward people having a sense of belonging within their learning communities and their other communities outside of the school system. And so that's when I started changing the way that I started doing disability awareness and people started asking me, what are you doing? Where can you, is there any resource I can get? And so it took me 10 years, but I wrote a book. That was the book I shared uh, beyond awareness, bringing disability into diversity work in K-12 schools and communities. So, um, yeah. And then, and I still continue to do that. And I still find that there is a lot of confusion and, and misguided, good hearted, but misguided attempts at doing disability awareness that leave out the, the part about, Oh, inclusion. Yeah. That's, that's important. You know, diversity, equity, inclusion, that's one of those words. And we think about inclusion and we think of all these other marginalized groups, but we often leave out students with disabilities and especially students with 
specifically complex support needs. And so my goal is to really take apart what we understand as disability and what we what we understand as disability awareness and bring in the foundation for making sure that our disability awareness actually fits into diversity, equity, inclusion conversations. And we add that access and belonging to it. So it's not just DEI, it's D-E-I-A-B, diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging. So important too. It's almost like there's a surface level of inclusion discussion, which serves potentially the purpose to make people who do not have disabilities feel like they're helping others. But without that action and that access mm -hmm. uh, element to inclusion, what we're mm -hmm. really just doing is talking more about an issue. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you're saying seems to be more focusing on inclusion for the benefit of those students and really that practical element of let's use our power and our influence and our resources to actually change their life in a meaningful way, as opposed to just making society as a whole slowly understand more about people with disabilities. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, there's um, there's a term in the disability community that was coined by Stella Young may she rest in peace. And Stella Young called it inspiration porn, you know, where people say, oh, you're such an inspiration. Like I have a friend who said she was grabbing a can of green beans off of a shelf in a store and somebody stopped her and she uses a wheelchair and somebody stopped her and said, you are such an inspiration, you know? And she thought, well, who's this person talking to? And she looked around and it was, she was the only person there. Like, how is me grabbing a can of beans inspiring? But that's because we set the bar so low of what a person with a disability can and should be, you know, should have access to in their life. And so when I think of inspiration porn, I think of another person who's, um, her name is Haben Gurma the deaf blind woman who conquered Harvard law. That's the name of her book, Hobbin, the deaf blind woman who conquered Harvard law in her book. She says, when people tell her that with those hollow terms, you're such an inspiration. She asks them, what are you inspired to do? What are you inspired to do? How are you going to make a difference in the world so that life is accessible to me? that I have access to the supports and services that I need, that I have access to healthcare that I need, that I have access to education, equity. So that's what, you know, I often think of when we do disability awareness, we're doing it to somehow be inspirational. And yet we're not actually making a difference that matters to our students and to their future lives. And that really goes hand in hand with the, I mean, our, our symposium is inspiration to action, right? So we're, we're seeing yes. that there's, there's two parts of it that are super important. Diana, let me ask you a question. Cause you spoke about perspective and you spoke about inspiration. And as you shared your story, a lot of possible reflection came when you went back to school. What do you think for the person that is listening to this? 
where disability awareness is just starting for them or their, their journey has just began, what are the most important things to really consider about how to be an ally or how to start to shift from being inspired to doing the work? Like, where does one start? Oh, that is such a huge, huge question, Moises. Yeah, you have to start having reliable sources or resources, making sure that you are looking at research-based materials and that you are listening to the voices of people who have disabilities, who live the experience of disability. As far as the, the five keys to going beyond awareness, you know, it's really important that people understand that there are five fundamentals to any productive and dignifying disability awareness endeavors. And that our goal when we do any disability awareness is to take the students away from pity mindsets or inspiration mindsets and equipping them with the knowledge of what I call the five fundamentals, which are ableism, access issues, assistive technology, disability history, and empowering language choices. So those are the concepts that students need and staff, you know, that all of us need to become aware of. And so sharing this knowledge and once you get the knowledge, which you can get from my free resource, which is the five keys to going beyond awareness, you can get that. And then once you immerse yourself in those five keys, then you can share it, have conversations with your colleagues about ableism, access, assistive technology, disability history, and language choices. Frame it as it aligns with your schools or your district's mission or vision, or like El Dorado County Office of Education's conference ideals from inspiration to action, right? And then teach it embedded into the curriculum. Once you know it, embedded into the curriculum. And I'm working on having more resources available, like lesson plans. I, I have a lesson plan to go along with my book, Ed Roberts, Champion of Disability Rights. I'm working on another one about access where I'm using Kia Brown's book. It's called Sam's Super Seats, which is a lovely children's picture book. Um, and I'm, I'll be looking at doing that with other books too, but find people who get it who understand that we are not doing, quote unquote, doing disability awareness. We are living allies for access and inclusion for all people, and then find books that align with that mission. The other thing is when doing disability awareness, it should be led by people who experience disability. So bringing in a professional like speech therapist or a, a Occupational therapists, they're all very important, right? They're, we need occupational therapists and speech therapists. However, if they do not experience a disability, then they should not be speaking on behalf of people who experience disability. And so there's a common motto in the disability rights community and in many advocacy communities, nothing about us without us. And so it's really important to be respectful and not believe that we are the voice of, quote unquote, the disabled. We are allies, we are advocates, co-advocates, and it's important that we also are listening, that we're reading work written by people with disabilities, and that we are 
uh, inviting them to be the speakers when we want to bring in somebody to share with our students about the five fundamentals or any of them, which again, are ableism, access, assistive technology, disability history, and empowering language choices. You want to bring in people with disabilities to share that. All right. So your website has some solid resources regarding inclusion, and we're going to make sure all those links are in the show notes for our listeners. Are there any go-to resources you might recommend for people who really want to to dive into the five keys that you referenced and anything else to kind of help support family members, uh, students, staff, and, and, and people who are interested? Yeah, there are so many. So one of my favorite inclusion gurus, as far as inclusion for students, with autism is Paula Kluth. She has a wealth of books and writings that can be supportive to families and teachers, especially. I love anything from Paula Kluth. Podcasts are super important. One of my favorites is called Think Inclusive with Tim Viegas. Love listening to Tim. I've been a guest on his podcast and he's been a guest on mine and he brings in great, um, speakers, guests who share about why inclusion is so important. And then of course, mine, I try to, mine is beyond awareness, disability awareness that matters. I bring in an array of diverse uh, guests who share about topics from access to language, to history, to their books. And I really try to bring in a lot of people who experience disability as a model for my listeners. So podcasts, books, and books written by people with disabilities. So not just educational books, but professional growth in the way that they are written by people with disabilities and people who are multiply marginalized. And, and how are we actually going to make a difference? How is that? How are we going to turn that inspiration into action? And that's a great point, Diana. I mean, one of those antiquated kind of ideas about the disability community is that it's a monolith, right? And what you're just yes. sharing right now about how rich the culture is and, and the works. And speaking of work, you know, you can arguably say that the, the work is hard, but, you know, very purpose-driven and joyful. You know, I'd love to pivot and ask you while you're doing the hard work, like what's made you smile recently or what has brought you joy over the past few weeks or months? That's great. And that was very well stated too. Um, so what's made me smile or brought me joy over the past weeks or months? You know, I've had a lot of opportunities to speak at conferences and do keynotes, but what has brought me more joy is seeing other disabled individuals getting up and sharing the podium and, and teaching and being listened to, and then meeting families who are there to listen to dis disabled voices and educators who are there to listen to and honor disabled voices. That's when I'm like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. We're actually doing it. People are starting to listen. It's not just having a person who identifies as a person with a disability as a token person who's there to just say, well, we included somebody with a disability at our conference, but actually seeing them leading and being listened to and having us as educators and as families follow that lead and say, how can we transform what we're doing? 
out of that value that we see and what we're, what they're saying to us. That brings me so much joy, so much joy, seeing others join this advocacy, you know, believing, listening and believing, and then at joining in on the advocacy for people's access and belonging. And we're excited because we get to help spread that joy. You are joining us as a keynote speaker uh, Friday, January 27th in Sacramento at the Sheraton Grand for our Inspiration and Action Symposium. And this year, the, the theme is A Time to Thrive. Um, for those attendees that are signed up um, and those that have yet to sign up, there's plenty of space. Uh, what can our attendees expect to hear you share about at that event? Give us oh. a little teaser. <laughs> okay, well... Hint, hint, you want to bring tissue, okay? You want to bring tissue because I share more in depth about the journey to inclusion for Joaquin and the struggle, the pain and the joy, you know, and the possibility of inclusion, even in the most difficult, uh, the most challenging situations with Joaquin. So, and, 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 what that has taught me as an educator. So yes, come ready to be inspired to action. Come ready to shed a few tears. Come ready to acknowledge yourself as doing the work. And it's okay if we haven't done it perfectly up until now. But as Maya Angelou says, when we know better, we do better, right? That was one of my favorite quotes of hers. May she also rest in peace, but we are going to know better so that we can do better when we leave this conference. Special thanks to Diana Pastora Carson for joining us today to speak on the importance of inclusion activism. Diana worked with us to create the show notes for today's episode, where you can find book recommendations, inclusion resources, and information about Diana's podcast, Beyond Awareness, Disability Awareness That Matters. We hope to see you at Charter Selpa's A Time to Thrive Symposium on January 27th in Sacramento, and you can find more details about the event in the show notes as well. On behalf of the Selpas and the El Dorado County Office of Education, we thank you for listening and wish you a happy and restful winter break.